All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. And, of course, hit the upvote button and comment to participate in the conversation. I am joined by Locked On Ole Miss's, Locked On SEC's, I should say, Chris Gordy. And you can look down here. Let's see. I think it's over in the corner over there. Watch next Locked On SEC. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, man. Four weeks in, we're starting to get a little clarification on, you know, what do they say, separate the men from the boys. I think that's what we're starting to see around the SEC. Uh, still some unprovens. Uh, I, I kind of put Ole Miss in that category. Uh, you, you know, not uh, quite ready for prime time or, or haven't played prime time yet. I think this test this weekend against Kentucky is going to tell us a lot about the 2022 Ole Miss Rebels. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, in fact, the media around Ole Miss came in and said, we won't know anything about Ole Miss until after the Kentucky game. And they said that since February. So then they were act surprised whenever the Tulsa game, there's a letdown. And I was like, come on, y'all, y'all created this, man. <laughs> I, I predict, I mean, I said last week, I thought I, I picked Tulsa to cover the spread. I just kept looking at, you know, we were, we, we were getting so overhyped about the Ole Miss defense, the Ole Miss defense. And I kept going, guys, they haven't been tested yet. And, you know, look at Georgia Tech. They just fired their head coach this past week. Obviously, that was not a very good team. But I kept looking at Tulsa, and, you know, they were the number one passing offense in in the country. And the weird thing is how it played out with Ole Miss. They were pretty balanced. I mean, they ran the ball pretty well, threw the ball okay. And uh, But, no, I thought that was a really good test, you know, and, and probably what what Lane Kiffin wanted. He probably wanted the, the defense to – Stop reading your press clippings. Hey, look, you know, if Tulsa did that to you, what do you think some of these SEC offenses are going to do, do to you? Mm. So maybe it was, a, it was a good humbling experience for, uh, for Ole Miss. But, man, I can't say enough about that run game. I mean, uh, you know, it's so funny. Matt Corral got all the headlines last year with Ole Miss. But, man, Lane's staples have been, you know, the, the two-headed, three-headed backfields that just run all over you. And uh, this year they've taken it to another level. And, and I think maybe the quarterback – uh, you know, not only say subpar quarterback play, but the the average quarterback play that they've mm-hmm. gotten from, from Daltmeyer so far, I think, you know, has kind of been, well, let's go to our bread and butter. And man, has the ground game been so dominant. It's been so fun to watch. Yeah, it's interesting because when the season started, you're like, okay, we have Zach Evans. He's he's a talent. Everybody knew what they had with him. And Ulysses Bentley the fourth, he was an all-conference player in the American coming over to Ole Miss. So obviously those are going to be the top two. And then Quinshawn Judkins just steps in. Now he's second in the SEC in rushing. He has four or five touchdowns. And by the end of the year, he has a chance to be the best running back on this team when nobody thought that was possible. It's crazy, too. And I was looking back through. I was like, let, let, did I miss something on, on him getting recruited? And, you know, the service I was looking at, he was a three-star. And he had offers from a lot of different SEC schools, Kentucky included, who uh, he'll play this weekend. But, man, it was like, going back and looking at it and all the running backs that were ranked ahead of him. It's like, man, somebody really missed on this guy because uh, he is, he is a weapon. And I had people asking me this week, you know, did Zach Evans get hurt? Was he banged up? Is there a reason, reason they've been featuring Judkins a little bit more? And I'm like, no, I think he's just taking advantage of his opportunity and and proven his worth. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how it balances out as the season goes along. Cause don't get me wrong. Evans is really good too. So, Mm -hmm. um, to me, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I don't care who's carrying it. They're all doing a good job of it right now. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Let's move on to the game this weekend. Um, Ole Miss and Kentucky, SEC Nation, 11 a.m., ESPN. 
I think um, Ole Miss is favored by six and a half right now, and the over-under is about 54 and a half in the game. Because I, I think I got on our little um, college sports group chat, and it's like, hey, if Ole Miss is playing, just bet the under. And everybody's like, what? No, no, just bet the under right now. And what are some of the keys to the game for both teams that you're seeing? Uh, I think for Kentucky, the big question is, what does Chris Rodriguez look like? Um, it's no secret. Four weeks in Kentucky, the run game has just not been there. I mean, Cavassier Smoke has been okay. Um, you know, averaged, uh, you know, based on the opponents they've played, he's averaging around five yards a carry, so it looks way more impressive. But if you just look at the run totals at the end of the, the first few games, it's it's been kind of unimpressive for a Kentucky team that is so used to dominating in the run game. And Chris Rodriguez has been a big part of that these last couple of years. Um, I, I think, you know, he's been practicing the last two weeks with the team. Um, you know, everybody says, yes, he's coming back from the suspension this week, but the key is he's been practicing with the team a little bit, getting back into the flow of things. But uh, like I said, I, I think the onus has kind of been on Will Levis these first few weeks in making him have to play superior well. And he's been great. I mean, a couple of 300-yard passing games, 10 touchdowns. The interception total, he's got four. It's a little higher than you'd like. But I think he realizes he made a couple of mistakes in the red zone, you know, forced the balls he shouldn't have. But uh, Will Levis has been very impressive, and that's without a good run game. Now is the pressure off Levis a little bit with uh, having, you know, if they're able to run the ball against Ole Miss, can they be a little bit more balanced? Because I'll tell you this, you know, what I saw from teams the last couple of weeks, that old line has not protected him very well. And again, maybe it's because they've been in more uh, predictable passing downs. But uh, I, I want to say it's 16 sacks. It's something crazy that they've given up already. He's one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the country. So if I'm Ole Miss, I'm looking at that. I'm saying, well, I'm going to bring pressure. I'm going to blitz him. I'm going to try to make him uncomfortable, force him into some mistakes. But again, that's countered if – Chris Rodriguez is running rampant and, and he's doing some damage. So I think I don't want to put too much pressure on Chris Rodriguez, but there's a lot of this game plan, I think, centered around him. And if he's not able to run the ball and the onus is on Will, uh, Will Levis to make plays, again, I think Ole Miss can maybe be opportunistic and force some turnovers. So he's got two great weapons. Tavion Robinson has picked up right where Wandale Robinson left off last year. He's a transfer from Virginia Tech. He's been outstanding. And then Dane Key, uh, true freshman wide receiver for uh, Kentucky. He's been great. And then Barry and Brown had a nice breakout game this past week for them. So uh, they got a lot of weapons. Um, you know, on the flip side, what can Kentucky do to slow down Ole Miss's run game? Because, um, you know, Kentucky's always kind of been known for that hard-nosed defense since Mark Stoops has been there. They have some nice players on, the, on that side of the ball. But to me, that's going to be the big key is can Kentucky slow down Ole Miss's run game and can, uh, can Kentucky – find their run game with Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, I, th I think looking at this game, like my number one key to the game for Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss has superior line play on both sides. And the SEC is always going to be a line-based league. So if you have the advantage there, if you can win that battle, so much is going to kind of take care of itself uh, in this league. It is. And, uh, you know, I think the, the other part of it, too, that I would look at, and, and I kind of touched on it a second ago, but, you know, I, I guess this is Jackson Dart's team now. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Altmeyer was kind of hanging in there, but it looks like, you know, they, they're kind of committed to Dart. What happens if this is a close game and they need Dart to go get them points late in the fourth quarter? What does that look like? Is he able to hit his weapons? Because, again, Ole Miss has got some weapons. I mean, I, I love Jonathan Mingo, uh, you know, all the, all the different receivers. But, you know, at times, Dart's been off with, with his throws. And so 
Um, you know, if, if they've got to go win a game with Jackson Dart, can they do that? Uh, you know, in a two-minute offense. I'll, I'll be curious to see that this week as well. But you're right. I mean, uh, if we're talking edge in the offensive line, it's Ole Miss. And then, I, you know, I kind of like what I've seen out of the defensive line so far for Ole Miss. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know about Ole Miss is if you had a boo-boo, any, any injury at all, you didn't play against Tulsa. They sat out and completely rested players. I think Ole Miss had four or five contributors that didn't play in that game, and they're just resting them up for Kentucky, specifically Kari Coleman, who – has a step or two that's kind of a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball, which could be big getting after Will Levis against a team that has been struggling pass protecting this year. Yeah, I think what we've seen too is, you know, a lot of different guys getting sacks already this year. It's not like it's just one or two guys. You mentioned Corey Coleman. Obviously, he's got a couple of them, but, um, you know, it's a handful of guys all over that defense that, that have had uh, sacks already this season. And so, um, yeah, be opportunistic, get after it. Uh, I think Arkansas still leads the SEC in sacks, I want to say, but Ole Miss is right up there. And, uh, again, like we talk about, Will Levis, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the, in the league so or in the, in the country. So uh, opportunistic uh, moments for Ole Miss. I'm a little worried with, the, with it being an 11 a.m. game. I wonder how sleepy the crowd would be. I, I think the SEC and, and, and the ESPN family of networks really missed two opportunities these last two weeks. I mean – uh, or this weekend, next week. Uh, last week, Auburn, Missouri. That was such a disaster. That deserved to be an 11 a.m. game. That was Ooh. like we all we all wanted to throw up watching that game. But this week, Ole Miss, Kentucky deserves to be a, at night. And then uh, you know, next week they already announced LSU, Tennessee is an 11 a.m. game. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, the, both these games should be nighttime, prime time games. So uh, it is what it is. But but here's hoping the Grove is rocking and uh, and everybody brings it. Because like I said. If it's, you know, night games in, in SEC environments, it's just special. There's something different. The crowd brings it. Granted, there's the factor of everybody's been drinking and, and tailgating all day, and they're a little louder and rowdier at night. But, again, sometimes these 11 a.m. games, teams are a little sleepwalky, and I wonder if we'll see that this weekend. If, you know, if this is like a 7-3 to three game after the first quarter this week, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, should be interesting. Now, we can't have locked on SEC's hosts come on the program. What are some of the other games around the league you're paying attention to this week? Yeah, just kind of starting to, to get into looking looking ahead at, you know, the ones that are intriguing. Obviously, this, this one I think is going to be uh, is a monster one just from a standpoint of Kentucky wants to keep their undefeated season going and Ole Miss wants to keep their undefeated season going. But, um you know, I think I think LSU Auburn at night is an interesting one, just from a standpoint of, you know, somebody told me that that if Harson had lost to Mizzou this past weekend, he was going to be fired by Sunday. Um, what happens if they lose? And let's say they get embarrassed by an LSU team that's defense is is playing very well and offensively they're kind of getting better week by week. I'll be curious to see what you know what's the reaction there, and is it dead man walking? Like I, I used the comparison in 2016. Uh, or 2015, rather, they were going to fire Les Miles, and at the end of the year, they played A&M, and they treated it like a farewell game to Les Miles. And everybody kind of knew it had run its course, and he was going to be let go. He beats A&M. The players carry him on his shoulder, on their shoulders off the field. And then the AD comes in and goes, no, we're not firing Les. Why would we fire Les? And then, what, two, three games into the next season, they lose a heartbreaker at Auburn, and Les Miles gets fired. You're just delaying the inevitable. We all know Brian Harson is not going to be at Auburn a year from now. So why delay the inevitable? Like, why put it on them and say, well, if you lose to Mizzou, we're firing you. Oh, okay, you eked out a miracle against Mizzou. Okay, now you get to keep your job. No, like, he's not your guy. You got rid you know, your AD's gone, the guy who hired him. Like, 
Harson's going to be gone either way. So that game is just intriguing from a standpoint of Brian Kelly, you know, meter tr- tricking upward. He wants to uh, continue to improve his team in year one there and show, you know, he's building something. Meanwhile, Brian Harson just trying to survive and keep his job. And so that one is intriguing. Um, I, I got to think the Eastern Washington Florida game is going to get canceled or postponed or something because of the, uh, the impending hurricane that's coming in. But I do want to say Florida looked so good. I mean, you hate to give out moral victories or, you know, that kind of thing. Especially they, in that game. Yeah, they lost to Tennessee, and it's a rivalry game. But, God, mm-hmm. Florida looked as good as they've looked all season. Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson looked as confident as he ever has. So, I think that's a good building block for Florida to build on as the season rolls along because, um, hey, he finally threw a touchdown pass, and that hadn't <laughs> happened in the first few weeks. Uh, but Alabama-Arkansas, to me, is the big one. Um, this is a game I picked before the season. I picked the Hogs to win this one. And understand, everybody's going to be jumping off Arkansas's bandwagon now because it's, oh, they lost to A&M? Yeah, they lost to a pretty good A&M team. And they lost because they fumbled at the one-yard line when they were going to make it 21-7. And then they lost because their freaking field goal kicker can't make a chip-shot field goal. So, like, understand, yeah, Arkansas lost. But I guarantee you, if, if you teed that game up again right now, this this moment, Arkansas wins that game. Arkansas is a better team than A&M. They, they got beat on, on, that, on that, you know, game last weekend. It is what it is. I'm not changing my mind. I think Arkansas and Fayetteville, as long as, like, I'm, I'm hearing Arkansas talk radio this week, a lot of people saying, oh, you know, KJ Jefferson, he's not the guy and all this. Like, stop it. Arkansas is still loaded. Arkansas is still a really good team. Rocket Sanders is a great running back. And Alabama's got their problems. Alabama still has issues in the secondary. Alabama's still trying to develop that offensive line. Uh, Bryce Young's still trying to develop chemistry with these new wide receivers. Okay, he threw a couple of touchdown passes against Vandy. So what? Like, that doesn't. That doesn't mean anything like this is a true test. You're going up against an Arkansas team. And yes, they've got their issues in the secondary. But if KJ Jefferson and that ground game uh, and the passing game can keep up with Alabama, keep in mind, they gave Bama a pretty good game last year in Tuscaloosa. They hung with them. Now it's in Fayetteville. If those fans can rally around this team and bring the energy and bring all of that. Bryce Young and Bama, going back to last year, they have struggled on the road. Keep in mind, it was just two, three weeks ago where they struggled in Austin and probably should have lost that game. Again, if, if Texas can get a stop on Bryce Young, literally had him in their in their hands. They couldn't pull him to the ground on that last drive. Um, you know, and go back to last year. They they, they needed a miracle, you know, hung on in the swamp to win. They needed a miracle in the Iron Bowl to win that one. So Alabama has struggled on the road. And I've said all, all season long, at Fayetteville, at Oxford, uh, in Baton Rouge, these are all danger spots for Bryce Young and Alabama if they don't step up to the plate and play well. Now, look, they looked great last week. Bryce Young threw for a ton of a ton of touchdown passes. Well, Anderson had a couple sacks. They looked great. But, again, don't be duped. Don't be a prisoner of the moment and go, well, Bama looked great and Arkansas lost, so clearly Bama's just going to crush Arkansas. No, stop. We hit the reset button. It's a new week. It's a new game. This is the SEC. Teams show up and don't show up every week, and somebody gets their butt beat because they didn't show up ready to play. So, uh, yeah, Nick Saban probably hates this. He probably wishes Arkansas had won so that they'd be feeling themselves and, oh, yeah, we're undefeated and all this. Now everybody's saying, oh, poor little Arkansas. They lost a game, so now they're going to get their brains beat in by Alabama. Nick Saban hates that because he's like, no, that's rat poison. Don't believe it. Don't listen to it. But, uh, look, I-, I may change my-, my mind five times before Saturday, but I- as of this moment, I still think Arkansas has a great chance to upset Alabama in Fayetteville. Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting war. And I've said for four months, the team that will absolutely get after Bryce Young for 60 minutes, Auburn did it for 58. 
if you would get after him for 60 minutes, you have a chance because Jameer Gibbs is not Brian Robinson. They can't play murder ball. They need him in the pass routes. So if he has to block and you force him to handle that, all of a sudden you have taken their number one weapon off the board and are forcing him to pass pro. And you can and Alabama feels gettable, um, probably more so this year than they were even last year um, with Georgia. Like Georgia, to me, is head and shoulders above Alabama at the moment. Yeah, and Bama used to have those shutdown corners, and it's no disrespect. I think Kool-Aid McKinstry is very good. Eli Ricks is still kind of finding his way in that secondary. But, like, Alabama used to have those DBs that you just put on your rece- – they would take your receivers away, and there was nothing you could do about it. They don't have that. And Will Anderson, as good as he is up front, um, you know, I still think at, at times if you get rid of the ball quick, like we saw Utah State week one, I mean, they, Will Anderson was a non-factor. Now, Utah State couldn't move the chains. They couldn't complete a pass, but they the MO was there. Like, they got rid of the ball very quickly, and I think that's what you need to do. But, um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I just – there's no John Mechie on this team. There's no Jamison Williams. They're still finding their way with the receivers they have. They're good. Don't get me wrong. There's good young wide receivers there. But they have no skins on the wall, and they need, you know, Heisman winner Bryce Young to kind of hold their hand and show them the way. What happens if they find themselves in a hole in Fayetteville and they're trailing Arkansas? Can they make those big plays down the stretch? So again, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. Don't uh, come back at me if, if Arkansas gets loses and say, oh, you're an idiot. But um, the the other one to watch too in the same realm is AM at Mississippi State. Mississippi mm-hmm. State is a really good team. I thought LSU and their defense coordinator, Matt House, had a fantastic game plan two weeks ago, bringing a lot of pressure, choosing when to bring pressure on Will Rogers. Will Rogers threw for like 214 yards in the loss to LSU. Again, they made mistakes. They muffed a punt. They made all these stupid mistakes. Probably should have beaten LSU in that game. But they bounced back this past week. Six touchdown passes from Will Rogers to beat Bowling Green. Ties his own record, uh, school record he threw last year, six touchdown passes. A&M might be feeling themselves at the moment right now. Hey, we're big, bad A&M. We just beat Miami. We just beat Arkansas. Yeah, now you got to go to Starkville, a team you lost to last year. You lost to both Mississippi schools last year. So, um, again, Jimbo Fisher and that team, they're still finding their offensive identity. I think Max Johnson is okay at quarterback. He's not good. He's not great. Uh, What happens if they find themselves in a shootout where Will Rogers is throwing touchdown after touchdown? Can A&M keep up? A-Chain's great. He just had his great his first 100-yard rushing game of the season against Arkansas. But uh, can Max Johnson make the throws uh, that they need to win those games, uh, to win this type of game if it's a shootout against Mississippi State? And I don't think so. And so, you know, you're literally talking about what happens all the time, Stephen. The SEC eats its own. It's like you get a big win one week, and then the next week you go and lose. And everybody's like, how'd you lose this game? Oh, it's because the it's the SEC. It's tough to win in this conference. Yeah, and Anaya Smith, um, I think I read something today. He's out for the year. And yep. if and if he's down, that their offense is just Devon A. Chang. That's all that Texas A&M has. They have a, a good freshman receiver, Evan Stewart, who was coming along, and uh, he was one of the guys who was suspended in the Miami game. But, you know, caught a touchdown pass in the game against Arkansas. But, no, Anaya Smith has been their go-to guy and, you know, former running back turned wide receiver who really uh, had, had found his niche and, and – was really unguardable at times. I mean, they, the, the routes that they were running on to get him open, but you know, that's a tremendous loss. I know uh, Billy Lucci at Texag said, you know, he confirmed that he's going to be done for the year. So, yeah, now it's time for – remember when, when A&M was beating their chest about signing that number one recruiting class? Hey, time for some of these four and five stars to step up and rise to the occasion because uh, this season could go sideways very quickly if they don't find uh, offensive continuity. All right. 
Hey, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Um, everyday host Chris Gordy, see, yeah, right there, um, and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. It's Locked On SEC. Chris, thank you very much for coming on today, and hopefully um, I can return the favor soon. Yeah, absolutely, Stephen, and uh, good luck to the Rebs this weekend. going to be a tough test, but they win this one. Man, look out, another uh, – Really good season on on the way. Back-to-back, really good seasons for Lane. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, bud. Thanks, man.